everyone, my name is Yumei Chang and I'm the founder of Life is Love School, where we teach adult survivors of childhood trauma essential life skills so that they could live a more joyful, peaceful, and love-filled life. Today's topic is based on a question that I commonly get, which is, uh, Yumei, is there a connection between narcissism, especially narcissistic personality disorder, and insecure attachment styles? And in short, yes, there is a connection. However, there are way more people that have insecure attachment styles than people that have narcissism. So roughly 40% of the general population are insecurely attached. And that's roughly then half-half. So half of those people are anxiously preoccupied and the other half are uh, dismissive avoidance. Narcissistic personality disorder then, uh, which a lot of times people call NPD, I'll just call it NPD because it's easier, is roughly one to 5% of the population. So it's a much, much smaller percentage of the population. So the good news is, just because somebody has insecure attachment style does not mean that they have MPD. So I want to really, really clarify that. However, people that have MPD almost always have attachment style um, that are in insecure. So let's start actually with a little bit of clarification. A lot of people know about MPD, but they only know about the overt style, which is the one that is also called grandiose. So the name grandiose means that this person is, you know, feels like they're all that. They present a very kind of pompous, you know, look at me, I'm amazing. They seem to have very high self-esteem and they uh, also show that they don't need anybody. They're very, very independent, etc. There's another style of narcissism also in DSM-5 that a lot of people don't know of. It's called the covert narcissism, also called vulnerable narcissism. So this person is also very self-preoccupied. However, they often come off as lower self-esteem, sometimes somewhat depressed, sad, and they have they present themselves as, you know, I deserve all that. I'm entitled to all that, but the world has treated me badly, and that's why I don't have all that. So I'm the person who deserves everybody's um, help, pity, etc. So there's a strong sense of entitlement. So when it comes to their attachment styles, most generally, it's not always the case, but most generally, a covert, a narcissist um, or a grandiose. So grandiose and covert are the same thing, just different ways of referring to the same thing. Uh, covert, uh, overt narcissists generally have a avoidant attachment style. So that's not very surprising, right? They they present themselves as very independent. I don't need you. So they're very easily dismissed people. They could kind of walk away from relationship, present themselves as very cold and distant from time to time, especially if they're ready to discard you. So if those of you that have been in relationships with a uh, overt narcissist probably know what I'm talking about. A covert narcissist, on the other hand, their self-esteem and how they feel about themselves is strongly tied to how the kind of feedback they get from other people. So they're often very anxious about interpersonal relationships. So most often they would present on the attachment style as somebody who is kind of clingy, who's always checking in on you, who reads into things. So you can see the tie-in with the um, anxious, preoccupied, insecure attachment style. But of course, it's not always the case. But what you might want to generally remember is that somebody who has narcissism is generally insecurely attached. 
So regardless, if you um, are working with somebody with either style or if you yourself would like to move more towards a secure attachment style, I'll do more videos about this because I think it's just really important. Life is just so much more peaceful and just easier to live in your body when you have a secure attachment style. So if you're anxious, preoccupied, I think that's really tough because when you're in relationships, you're kind of always on guard. You're always watching for the littlest change in your partner and you internalize everything, right? It may have nothing to do with you. They're just busy or they may be having a bad day. It has nothing to do with you, but you're just like, oh my gosh, I must be losing their affection. What did I do wrong? Did I say something? Should I say something now? Maybe I should do protest behavior. Maybe I should like, you know, be angry. And so you kind of lose your emotional balance and do things that you later regret. So that is the key. So if you want to heal your um, anxious, preoccupied attachment style, doing work like DBT to do emotional regulation, meditation, journaling is really, really important. For the avoidant style people, on the other hand, um, avoidance generally have a, a very difficult childhood in the sense that they got very little or no care at all, meaning that when they turn to their parents for affection, for attunement, when they're having an emotional difficulty, their parents either push them away or in certain circumstances, the parents were actually the ones that were administering the abuse, right? So the child definitely would not go to the parent for any kind of emotional soothing. So they basically completely gave up on people. That's why they have this, you know, I don't need anybody attitude and and they are very, very guarded. So if an avoidant attachment style person wants to try to heal themselves, what they need to do is to actually to start to feel their feelings. And that could start as basic as just checking in, you know, how am I feeling now? And a lot of times people don't have the emotional awareness to even understand what a feeling is. For a lot of people that are uh, avoidant dismissive, especially, they might feel anger, they might feel, you know, happiness, excitement, um, but not very much of other feelings, maybe a little bit of sadness, but there's not a lot of nuances in their feeling because they just blocked out most of the feelings, especially feelings that make them feel that they're weak, right? They don't feel or they don't consciously feel disappointment. They don't consciously feel a grief, etc. They're like, I don't care. My heart is, you know, hard as rock. But of course, that's not true. But they just tell themselves, and over time, they train themselves to harden their heart. So, in order to heal, it's actually to do the reverse. Just try to start feeling it. And the more you do that, the better you'll get at it. And so one of the things that people could do is actually look up something called a feeling wheel, which has a whole roster of different feelings and try to see if over time you could get more nuance in how you feel. And another big tip that I'll emphasize over and over again is if you want to start healing your attachment style, reading books is one thing, listening to videos is one thing, but another big thing is actually to surround yourself with people that are securely attached or have, say for example, like a pet, which is almost always just default, right? They're securely attached to you. They love to see you. Their love is unconditionally given. You wanna be in as much of those nourishing environments as possible. So you get the feedback that no, not everybody is going to treat me the same way that for example, my parents did, where they dismissed my feelings or they were inconsistent. 
you want to surround yourself with people that are healthy and that are securely attached. Because when you're surrounded by that, you model that behavior and they also give you feedback so that it keeps you feeling safe and you're not no longer worried. It's not feeding into that cycle of the world is not safe. I hope you find today's video helpful. If you like the video, please like and subscribe. I'm going to be pushing out these videos very regularly on a weekly basis. And if you enjoy discussions, also consider joining my women only coaching group. We do live Zoom calls, so it's always topical, like we could be talking about emotional regulation techniques, walking through DBT steps, and people ask questions live. So it's super cool, and you learn from everybody's experience, which is always an enlightening experience. So I hope to see you there, and until next time, have a great week.